0: Welcome to the Landmark Theaters Film Club podcast. In this episode, director Wash Westmoreland talks about his new film Colette with Entertainment Weekly's Dana Schwartz.
1: Hi there, I'm Dana Schwartz. I'm a correspondent at Entertainment Weekly. Thank you so much for coming tonight. And as you know, we'll be doing a Q&A with the incredible director of the film, Wash Westmoreland.
0: Thank you so much for being here.
1: So I think I'll just jump right in. What was the process of of making this movie actually happen? I know it was a long road.
0: It was a long road. Uh, The first draft of this uh, movie as a screenplay was written in 2001. Yes. (laughs) It took 17 years to get it on the big screen. Um, which is like a third of my life. So, if they all took this long, it would be very difficult. Like, in that time, it's gone through probably 20 rewrites, about three different title changes, two false starts. And in that time, me and my co-director, Richard Glatzer, made three other films. Um, But we always thought, oh, Colette, how can we get this movie made? Because we always saw in our minds that it would be a great film. We just had to figure out how to get it on the big screen.
1: So what is it about Colette's story that resonated with you that made you want to fight for it for so long?
0: Um, initial, the initial draw was her as a personality. She was just so inspiring that she um, you know, was in this situation. It was difficult and complicated, kind of trapped in this marriage where she wasn't credited for her work, but she just had this determination to live large and live without fear and just speak her truth to the world. And I think it's just an amazing example to anybody.
1: How did Kira Knightley come to this project? And two-part question, was she already trained in mime?
0: <laughs> um, It's funny. um, Some journalists have asked me, oh, was Kira the first person you thought of for the role? And I was like, no, it was written in 2001. She was 14. (laughs) That would have been...
1: (laughs) I mean, Colette starts very young, so it could have worked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Good um, shot
1: at Richard Linklater style. Right,
0: it's true. Yeah, Yeah, girlhood. (laughs) And she does age in the movie from 19 to 34, and I think the way Kira does that is very impressive. Um, But yeah, she... um, Well... Uh, there were various people we thought of obviously during the 17 year period but um after our last film still alice we seriously you know started to remount colette as like this is you know our chance to springboard this film into production and um Kira was just uh, the natural candidate because she has such sort of personal electricity she's so smart she's so quick she's just got this sort of animal feeling you know yeah. she's she's natural in her own body and she has a toughness and we're just like it's going to be Kira Kira Um, had never done mime before, but she's always up for a challenge. And Dickie Bow, who is a mime artist in the film called Varg, actually trained Kira to do mime. They had mime lessons together, (laughs) um, and, um, mime was considered a really radical thing then. It was, you know, it was like the, there was a standard, um, Sort of set of signals for mime, and what Varg did was break it out into a whole, like, you know, much larger repertoire. He
1: broke out of the box, if you will. He broke
0: out of the box. And also, he was a special in, specialist in canter mime or lip syncing. So it was really like lip sync for your life circa <laughs> 1895. Um, so yeah, Kira took that challenge, and she also practiced really hard on the Dream of Egypt dance because that was very hard. And, uh, but she just, everything she does, she just wants to hit the bar of excellence.
1: And what about? Dominic, I know that he was wearing, I think, three different fat suits in this film.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Willie, uh, sort of, Colette's coming into her prime, Willie's sliding out of his. And, um, you know, Dominic was someone who I think got the um, fun of the Willie character in that Willie's the villain. But if you play him just as like completely pure mercenary villain, exploitative, you wouldn't understand the complexities of the relationship that reflected the real life relationship. That Willie in real life was so charming, had all this personal power, could take over the room with an anecdote. And, um, you know, we thought, oh, Dominic has that twinkle in his eye that he can behave badly. And kind of you understand how he got away with it and why Colette was still emotionally tangled up with him until the end. And um, yeah, he had, uh, he goes downhill as well from 33 to 49 years old at the end. And we showed that with the progression of fat suits. Um, Oh, sorry, bodysuit, can't say fat suit anymore. Sorry. Body suits. That got progressively larger and larger. and. and it w- we were shooting actually in uh, Budapest in June and it was incredibly hot on some of those sets with all the windows blacked out and like candle lit and like everyone was sweating and Dominic was just like, I'm going to die. <laughs> so the costume department designed this special like cooling system for his, f- <laughs> for his body suit that was like water in these tubes. It was like they came out here and he would plug in in between, takes, and cold water, would like <laughs> swirl all around his fat suit and cool him down.
1: So aside from the uh, high-tech cooling systems, how historically accurate is this story? And what did you, if anything, feel like you needed to dramatize? Oh,
0: this is a true story. Like all the landmark things really happened. Uh, you don't have to make that stuff up for Colette. <laughs> I mean, the way she lived life was so astonishing. And the way she continued to live a life was enough in her life for like nine seasons on HBO. And I, I hope <laughs> someone does that, because she's just a fascinating character. Um, but yeah, what was the question? Um,
1: uh, is there anything you had to sort of either oh, condense change. or change? Yeah.
0: yeah, well, the of course, when you take reali- historical reality into a narrative for a three act structure movie, you have to make some, uh, you have to take some artistic license and sometimes move the timeline a little bit or you know invent certain scenes. But um, it was very much done along the spirit of what we imagined really happened and also sort of the spirit of how Colette wrote, which was to take her life and turn it into literature and narrative. Okay.
1: Uh, what was the, the process? Because obviously, after her marriage to Willie, she went on to, to continue to have an incredible life. Uh, what was the choice of focusing on her first marriage? Well,
0: um, sometimes, like, you know, in biography, I think it was a sort of almost like. a a quite an old fashioned way of doing biography, which was to start at childhood and go right through to death. And I think certain movies, I think the queen was really a breakout movie that chose one week in the queen's life and told you so much about her and her past and everything. And for Colette, for us, the, the idea was like, this is about her formation as an artist, and about her transgressive um, sort of explorations of sexuality in the public eye. That's what we want, really wanted to focus on. And we thought there was just like this story of this woman whose voice was not being heard, because this giant male ego squashing it down, and she has to struggle to get out. We thought that is a great, you know, like, kernel for the story. That should be the... It should start the courtship, and it should end when they split.
1: It's a good thing that that's not a problem anymore. Yeah, 100 years yeah.
0: ago, you know, yeah. we've, all, we've all changed so much. Mm. <laughs> I mean, period pieces are just about the oh, past. Yeah. yeah, yeah, nothing to do with today.
1: <laughs> uh, I think we do have time for a few audience questions. Uh, just project, because you don't have a mic right over there.
0: How much is left? Oh, that's an interesting question. How much is left from the first draft? Um, I have thought about going because it was like it was this old, old laptop that was you know almost like a wind-up laptop (laughs) that was like so. so... I've thought about going back and looking at it. I remember the um, in the first draft the salon scene and the conversation about the Eiffel Tower because Richard and I were really tickled by the idea that the Eiffel Tower was only three years old and people were still sort of thinking it was temporary and it was going to come down. And then also you know the Eiffel Tower plays into the whole male power thing that you know, Colette turns upside down at the beginning with, in the snow globe. So that was definitely in there. The Dream of Egypt sequence was in there. And we just wrote it. And we thought, oh my god, will we ever get to make this? Um, so there were these you know, certain scenes that were in there. And um, that dialogue after The Dream of Egypt is something Colette really said that was reported in the Paris Soir the next day. You know, is, Am I trembling? You know, like, I'm going to go somewhere else to make a living. That was what she really said. So that was in the original draft. Yeah, I'd say probably about twenty percent has survived from the original draft. Um, Richard and I—Richard wrote the first draft. We—he wrote it in ten days, and we both were like, "Wow, the movie's there. Let's go!" And you know, (laughs) we thought it would happen straight away. Then we came to, you know, get the movie started, and we'd start pitching it, and we found a lot of the ideas in the film were just too. People found them too out there, like fifteen years ago. Yeah, that she had an affair with Missy, who was male-identified, and perhaps a forerunner of today's trans community. Um, you know that was like people like oh that's kind of a niche movie and like now there's been such advances in transgender visibility that it, it just I think a modern audience is like wow this is really interesting that you know people throughout history had different gender identities.
1: You know it's so fascinating what people sort of I think in, in some parts of the country think of as very new phenomenon and think of as very like, oh, this is a new development, has been happening for hundreds of years.
0: Yeah. Like like men taking credit for women's work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, have you seen the recent movie The
1: Wife or read the book on
0: which it is based? You know, I haven't seen The Wife.
1: Sorry, the question is whether he's read uh, The Wife or seen the movie?
0: You know, I haven't seen The Wife. I understand it's very, very good. And people have said, oh, it's a very similar story. And they think that's amazing that they are 100 years apart. And the, you know, the characters are still dealing with this, uh, this same phenomenon. Maybe Colette was in some way some sort of historical uh, inspiration point for the, for the book, because Colette is such a well-known example of this happening. But um, I look forward to seeing the movie. I understand it's brilliant. And I think this story could be told in a thousand different ways.
1: You go to any company meeting room, and a woman says an idea, and then a man says it next to her, just like a little bit louder.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, great idea, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, a question up there. Speak really loud, please. I uh, just want to. I, I love the film and the timing with the whole Me Too and the trans I stuff, agree. it's just so perfect. I'm wondering, back in 2001, um, if you would mind sharing some of the thoughts you had for who Colette might be, who would no longer be appropriate as
0: it age? Oh, you know, um, Dream yeah, I, I, I really, it's, I can't do that because, you know, even um, even it would, Yeah, I, I, I would just feel like when you engage with an actor, you form this bond of trust with them, and we did meet with certain actresses and you know talk about Colette. but I just feel there's sort of something about that that I, I need to keep about you know the, the sort of sacredness of that space.
1: Well then, I can ask sort of a tangent question to that that I'm just curious about. Do you remember any other titles that you went through?
0: Oh yeah.. Um, Okay, there was uh, originally it was called Colette and Willie. Um,
1: Get him out of there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> because we thought, oh, it's it's kind of, you know, it's really about this complex relationship.
1: And what a perfect name for him.
0: It, what a perfect, but a single name, yeah. and the name is Willie. Yes, absolutely perfect. <laughs> then, it's uh, Slick Willie, yeah. Then um, we changed it to uh, All She Wrote, which is, you know, kind of. Has a double meaning, and of course, there's a lot of puns in the movie. But then, no one outside of America understood what all she wrote meant. Um, And then, oh, and then a title I really loved um, was "The Real Claudine," Mm, which I think would have been a good title. But in the end, just Colette came through with the idea of her signature in her writing. In that's, it's about signing her name. So in the end, Colette won out.
1: And I think that. Unfortunately, there's so many young people, especially in America, who don't really know who Colette was. You know, they might have heard of the Claudine novels, that the title then is Well, perfect. her
0: story is well known in France, but uh, even in France, she's better known in her later life when she was... Very much a literary grand arm, and sort of you know wrote a lot about nature and and about her I mean she was always kind of a, a very very interesting accomplished writer, but they even in France her early more radical life going on the music hall stage isn 't as well known but internationally she does have some fans as in the 70s there's a, a lot of feminist champion Colette 's work and sort of took her as an example of, of how to you know really claim your voice um, but I hope this film really reactivates an interest in her writing because she's just a phenomenal writer and is just an extremely relevant personality to do, to today.
1: Absolutely. Yes, right there. Um, two
0: little things. First, was it difficult to leave out the non-burning of the script of the, of the
1: manuscripts and the returning to her and, and just leave it as a tag at the end? Is that artistically difficult not to return that? And the second is is it
0: historically accurate that
1: Colette referred to Missy as he? Uh, just to repeat the questions, he was asking about the, the burning of the manuscripts, the inclusion of that, and whether referring to Missy as he was historically accurate.
0: Um, okay, the burning of the manuscripts is something that actually came into the script very late on. Um, and it was some information that I uncovered you know, literally about three or four months before we shot the film. And, but I really wanted to include it. The actual way in which the manuscripts were returned to Colette wasn't until years later. And there was a court case. I think it was in the sort of late thirties or even the forties when Colette, after Willie had died, Colette had a you know a motion to get her name on the book, and they gave it to Colette. And then after. Um, Willie's son, who was born out of wedlock, called Jacques gautier Villars, went and said, no, this is disrespectful to my father's memory, and he had a lawsuit, and they put it back to Willie, <laughs> And then so Colette had to go again, and this time the manuscripts were the defining evidence. So that would have been really interesting, but it would have been a much older Colette that really played into the element of the drama. And the, the thing with Missy and the pronouns, it's really fascinating. Um, Missy and Colette wrote a lot of letters to each other and in French, of course, is a very gendered language. It's not just he, she. It's all the you know verb endings and stuff and affectionate terms are gendered and they use both. They both use both feminine and masculine pronouns with each other. I'd say more feminine when they're talking about emotional stuff but when she talks about Missy as a public persona, she would say mon missy like you know masculine mm-hmm. so um it was a time where I guess the origin of the pronoun conversation is what feels right. And for Missy, was someone who the word transgender, the word lesbian wasn't even commonly used. Missy would have been thought of as an invert, which is, you know, not a great thing to put on a banner like, I'm an invert, respect my rights, (laughs) because it's just automatically saying there's something wrong. But that was the phrase that was used at the time. But what Missy was doing was effectively like pioneering. Being who he was as an authentic person reaching towards masculinity to find the truth of who he was. And that inspired Colette very much to take the final steps with Willie to break free from Willie. So um, it was very much in the historical record that they used both he and she.
1: That's fascinating. And a a follow-up question, sort of now that you're thinking, now that I'm hearing about the, the French, which obviously translation is so important, are there multiple English translations of Colette's work?
0: There are, there's lots a Do
1: you have a preference?
0: (laughs) Um, The more modern ones are better, um, because Colette was a very, sort of wrote about a woman's sensual experience. And some of the earlier books that translate to English are a little prim.
1: I can imagine.
0: And <laughs> it's actually worth digging around um, to find a, 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 you know, a better translation. There's a fantastic biography called Secrets of the Flesh by Judith Thurman, uh, and another really great one by Patricia Tilburg called Colette's Republic. That are two books that have come out in the last 20 years, and they're a great starting point to explore Colette because they contextualize everything she was, that was happening in her life with what goes in the books.
1: And if someone wanted to start reading her fiction, what do you think is the best novel to start with?
0: There's so many great ones but my favourites are uh, Cherie and the Last of Cherie that's a pair of novels that I think is just her absolute high style. The Vagabond that she starts writing at the end of this is about a woman just travelling around France on her own in the provinces, earning her own money, living with the showgirls and the jugglers and the Russian acrobats. It's really textured and wonderful. And uh, some some of her later works like My Mother's House and Cedo are just absolutely beautiful writing and uh, the mother was a really really important relationship that um, you know we didn't we showed in the film but obviously the focus was on Willie Colette and the mother could have a, a, a movie too Sido was brought upon an anarchist colony in Belgium in 1850 where they said there's no gender distinction between men and women and even though she ended up living in a provincial village in France she transferred the idea to her daughter like there's nothing you cannot do
1: amazing yeah and the menswear throughout this the film is is beautiful i was like making notes of oh, really? all the pieces i need to buy uh, <laughs> i think we have time for about two more questions if we can make them quick uh in the back right over there i just want to say that i read them in college and i did not think they were prim oh good Great. <laughs> you got good translation <laughs>
0: uh and, and right below right there
1: i was wondering what the reception in france of the movie or i mean is
0: it come out very yet at all or? Well, that's the true test. <laughs> We're gonna, it's going to open in France in January. Kira and I are going French to Paris. Um, we have our fingers crossed. The responses from certain French sort of cultural commentators and critics has been very positive. And um, one of the great supporters of the movie in France has been Colette's step-granddaughter, um, Anne de Juvenel, who unbelievably, when we first went to France to write this. Um, we thought we're not gonna say that there's two Americans coming to France and gonna sort of <laughs> yes. do this, claim their national heroine. We, we wanna go a little under the radar at first. And we just told one friend and then we went away to write in the countryside. She showed up at the end and she said, I hope you didn't, don't mind. I told one person, I told my aunt, because she is friends with someone I think has something to do with the Colette Estate and the juvenile, we're like, Oh, my God! She is Colette's granddaughter. <laughs> like the one person we told in the whole of France led us directly to that. and she uh, we you know we're like. She's a baroness, right? So, like, we had to meet with her in Paris, and we had this tiny little flat. Yeah, they still are yeah, baronesses, and uh, we got really nice wine and really nice cheeses and everything. And all she wanted to do was drink water. We're like, okay, <laughs> but she was so um, personable and told us so much about Colette from inside of the family perspective, and um, has been incredibly supportive of the movie and just let us have all the wonderful words of Colette for the uh, movie. And uh, you know, so her support within France means a tremendous amount. So, we're hopeful. Of course, there will be quite a few eye rolls, which is you know, because we're taking a French story into English language. But I believe art and and stories shouldn't have national boundaries around them. I think it's really interesting to learn about great people and great lives from other cultures than your own, and it doesn't have to be a subtitle version. It can also be a version that's interpreted into the language that. You know the, the English-speaking audience can understand.
1: Yeah, I think we have time for one more quick question. Make it a good one, right there. So, Colette had children. Who did she have children with? Uh, so the question was, who did Colette have children with?
0: Um, Colette had a ch- one child um, with her second husband, um, uh, who was Baron de Juvenal. And um, she had a little girl who she called Colette, which I don't think that's fair. You know what?
1: Men, men do that. Men name, men name children it's after true, them but, themselves all the
0: I time. Mean, it'd be like Madonna calling her child Madonna, you know, or Lady Gaga calling her child Gaga, <laughs> which is a noise babies make, I suppose. But, um, you know, I, I feel like. Self named baby. <laughs> yeah, she. Uh, I mean, so she had one daughter, but Colette's grand. Step, grand and a juvenile is Colette's step granddaughter, who is the. Um, the daughter of Colette's stepson, so, who she had an affair with. So it's a little complicated. That's the next film.
1: <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for coming. Thank, Thank, you. You. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theaters Film Club podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to hear a's with talent from new independent films opening at the landmark. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of these Q&As and more exclusive content. See you next time!